we're doing in general is to try to understand where the diversity of plant genes came from, how this tremendous diversity of different genes, biochemical processes, and structures uh, came about in the evolution of more than 300,000 species of flowering plants. Each of the specific projects we're working on involve the requirement to understand the collection of genes expressed in the plant. We're trying to understand the origin of flowering plants. We're trying to understand how biochemical pathways evolve. And we're trying to understand how parasitic plants that tap into their hosts uh, produce a novel structure called a hostorium for feeding on the host plant. The common problem in all of these projects is the need to discover the complete gene set that's being expressed by each of these species, how to assemble them, and how to get the most information out of these data sets. Well, one of the analytical challenges with very large data sets like this is assembly. And in some ways, assembly of a transcriptome is a, a more challenging problem than assembly of just a genome. Because, of course, you have different genes that are expressed at different levels, and there are alternative splice forms. And this is really a challenging problem. So we've tried all the major different types of assemblers. And now we're finding that uh, routinely we're able to assemble very large data sets, up to 450 million reads and get very good assemblies. CLC is particularly uh, good at these large data sets. It's quite fast and producing very good quality assemblies. Now, the way we know these are good quality assemblies is we've set up a very uh, specific uh, routine for evaluating the quality of the assembly compared to the known Arabidopsis genome. We can evaluate whether sequences have been assembled uh, correctly that should have been or incorrectly. Uh, when they shouldn't have been. And uh, the statistics give us very good confidence that the assemblies for many genes are essentially perfect. And this tells us then that we can apply the methodology to new plants whose genomes have never been characterized before. So the way we decided to tackle this challenge was to perform a rather large experiment in which we would obtain a very large amount of RNA from just one tissue from a plant whose genome we know very well. This is Arabidopsis thaliana. And use the information as a trial for studying new plants that we don't know about. In this case, the RNA was used to produce cDNA libraries, both normalized and non-normalized. It was sequenced using all the major next-gen uh, sequencing approaches. And then we assembled the data using many different approaches and evaluated the results precisely in terms of where the errors were, where the good information was, and how information about gene expression could be compared against um, RNAs that were run on microarrays from the very same tissue. One of the ways these transcriptomes have helped us learn something really interesting about plants recently has been a study that we've done of uh, the history of gene duplication in flowering plants. We began with information from the sequenced genomes, assembled, uh, categorized, and assembled gene families, aligned them, and then performed phylogenies on all the gene families through the genome. And this allowed us 
to uh, identify gene duplications that were in the history of these gene families. Now, they were available only for the sequence genomes, so to make them more informative, we added assemblies that came out of our transcriptome studies uh, from early angiosperms, from other seed plants. And with these additional data, we were able to see that the gene duplications were really concentrated in time. They were concentrated right before the origin of flowering plants, and they were concentrated right before the origin of seed plants. These concentrations of duplications gave us the idea that probably what had happened was a genome-wide duplication, or a polyploidy event, that had generated these very large numbers of new gene duplications basically all at one time. Well, now, the implication of this is that polyploidy, genome duplication that we've known about in plants as a very common process, may have been important in generating the new genetic diversity that helped lead to very important radiations of flowering plants. The 300,000 flowering plant species are all polyploid when you get right down to it, if this is correct. A genome as small as Arabidopsis, if you trace it back, has been through at least five rounds of polyploidy. And instead of then thinking of the Arabidopsis genome as diploid, really you might think of it as tetraploid, octaploid, 24, 48, 96-aploid. This small genome of Arabidopsis with its five genome events basically could be thought of as an ancient 96-aploid plant. Well, with plants having so many diverse processes, biochemical pathways, developmental processes, firing structures, um, we've been very amazed at the, the uh, diversity of information that we're getting out of these transcriptomes. We're able to see things now about how parasitic plants turn on different sets of genes as they attack different host plants. We're able to learn things about how biochemical pathway for alkaloid synthesis is actually has evolved among related species and get ideas for how that pathway might be modified. And we're able to understand the exact genes that seem to have uh, marked the origin of specific lineages of plants and the particular structures or processes with which they're associated. Well, one of the implications of this work is that novelty, the kind of really new things that come about in evolution every once in, every once in a while, um, in plants often seems to be associated with polyploid events, that is, genome duplication. We're seeing this in several of our different projects, including parasitic plants, including flowering plants. And the question on, on the table right now is how often has polyploidy been the driving force for a really novel change during evolution? Now, polyploidy isn't restricted only to plants. Animals, protists, other organisms can have double genomes as well. In fact, one of the really interesting uh, discussions going on right now is whether vertebrates have two genome duplications in their history. I'm certain that new data that's being gathered on many novel organisms will really help to enlighten our understanding of whether that event really occurred and what 
novelty was generated in those polyploidy events that really comes through to help us.